Hello and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and I'm so happy that you're joining me again today because if you are a father who wants to be equipped with more tools to better engage the hearts of your daughter and your son, then you've come to the right place. Well, before we begin our conversation this week, let me review the template on your mark, get set, go. Dads, I want you to envision yourselves standing side by side each other, getting ready to run your fathering race this week. I'm on the sidelines again as your coach, cheering you on and saying, on your mark, get set, go. On your mark is the topic or the theme. Get set, I fill that in with stories and stats. And go is your action step, which is a practical way to put that theme into action this week. Well, if you joined me last week, you had the privilege of hearing part one of a two-part series where I'm interviewing my friend John Finch. So just for quick review, John is the founder of the Father Effect Ministries and also the creator and storyteller of the Father Effect movie, which you can watch at his website, thefathereffect.com. John has also written a book by the same name titled The Father Effect, Hope and Healing from a Dad's Absence. He lives in Texas with his wife, Michelle. They've been married for 25 years and have three daughters. Welcome back, John Finch. Thanks for having me back, Dr. Michelle. Well, it's great to collaborate again here as I know both of us have a passion for seeing dads, for seeing men heal and do their own work so they can be the dad they want to be, right? Absolutely. Well, last week for me was so powerful and profound because you opened up a little bit about your story and about the loss of your dad and how it shaped you and how for so many years you had no idea that you even had dad wounds or dad issues. And we called that one, How to Forgive a Father Who Abandoned You. And if you happen to miss that, you can go to my website, drmichellewatson.com and hear it again or go to Spotify, Google Play or iTunes where it's at the Dad Whisperer. So I'd love you to listen back. But John, how about if just for starting today, the conversation, just give the quick backstory to that before we get into the topic today. Absolutely. So my dad uh, grew up without a father. Mom was married five times, was dropped off in the middle of New Orleans to live on his own at the age of 16, had gotten wrapped up in the mafia, did some prison time. Um, there's a, you know, a, a piece where we went into to witness protection because of some mafia related issues. And, and he eventually committed suicide, uh, just, just struggled with a lot of things like depression and anxiety and, and other mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's the quick overview. If people want to hear more of your story, they can read your book or watch your movie, your documentary, because it's so good. It's so real and vulnerable. And I think we need more men like you who are willing to be honest and vulnerable about their own story, their own pain, so that other men will follow their lead, which is why I have you on the show today. So for On Your Mark... Oh, go ahead. No, so I was going to say, and that's it, uh, Dr. Michelle, you hit it. I mean, that's what I want so badly for other guys to know and it goes back to this message of you're not alone but just being able to be real and transparent with other guys and you know I spent 30 years being that poser and pretender and I was really good at it Mm -hmm. I was really good at pretending to be somebody I wasn't and now I'm just an open book and I'm like look here's all my junk here's all my stuff (laughs) I'm not I'm not perfect and I'm a jacked up flawed and imperfect guy but I'm doing the best I can. And we're going to talk today about how that kind of honesty has impacted the way that you father your three daughters, which I'm excited about. So today for On Your Mark, we've titled this interview, Reprioritizing Fathering 
finding hope and healing from a dad's absence or wounding. How's that for a mouthful? <laughs> so, yeah, I like it. Okay, there we go. Well, John, okay, like I just said, you talked last week about how you finally crashed and burned. Here you were a Christian man, you hit rock bottom, as some people might call it. But could you just talk more about how those years of numbing your own pain as a result of your dad's suicide and absence impacted the way you fathered your three daughters, especially when they were younger? You know, I really didn't have a clue how to be a father. And I didn't, I wasn't willing to reach out to other men to find, you know, what they knew and get wisdom from them, which all of that's totally changed now. But I was just trying to to do the best I could and, and, you know, was struggling in many different areas. And because I was a man and they were girls, that was even more scary to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I'd have had a son, I'd have known a little bit about what they were dealing with and how to deal with them. But because they were daughters, it was it was very foreign. And, and you know, so the struggle of just trying to even relate to my wife truly and honestly and, and authentically was difficult because I was constantly playing this game of pretend acting like I knew so much more than I really did. And so, you know, when I was on alcohol, I was the most confident guy there was in the room mm-hmm. because it had it had numbed all the pain and, and it was my medication. But when I wasn't, I was just struggling and angry and, and all these things, this turmoil was going on for so many years deep within me. Did you know at the time, John, that you were a faker and a poser, or were you not even admitting that to yourself then? No, I didn't even admit it. I didn't even know it. I just thought this was part of what you do when you're a man. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, man, other guys are doing the same thing, right? Or or I looked at other guys that really did have it figured out, and so I wanted to be more like them. Mm-hmm. And so I would fake it to be like them. Um, but I thought, no, I, I thought every guy, that's just what you did. Every man, you know, acted a certain way and, mm-hmm. and you wanted to be confident. That's, that's what you did. Yeah. False courage, right? That's what some people call alcohol. Well, and, and you and I both know that even if some Christian men are like, oh, I don't drink or I don't look at porn, I think sometimes it's easy to hide behind ministry, right? Behind that kind of a focus and pour ourselves into that, if you will, Right. Instead of looking Absolutely. at our stuff. Yeah, and that's what uh, so many men do, whether it's work. They'll pour themselves into work, and they'll do the very best they can. Matter of fact, if you look at very successful individuals, mm-hmm. a lot of them have a father issue. They're so driven to either prove to a dad that they can be successful and they, they, they can get his affirmation, or they're just proving to themselves Mm-hmm. that they're worthy, that they can do this, and they don't want to go back and look at their history. You look at, same thing with gym rats, a lot of muscle guys. That's their thing. They're going to go be the very best and get the biggest muscles they can. And so there's all this stuff that a bunch of men just, just pour themselves into in order to deny the pain and the real issues of, of what's really going on yeah. deep down. Yeah. Well, you made another powerful statement in the Father Effect movie that at least when I heard it, I thought, wow, this is paramount to what it looks like for a dad to rearrange his priorities as a father, right, to, for you to three daughters. And here's what you said. Now I walk in daily awareness of how my words and actions affect my children. 
So my question to you, John, is this. How have you initiated conversations with your girls that have invited them to be honest with you then about how your words and actions have affected them? You know, this is such an important piece for me and such a valuable lesson that I've learned. I've been very, very open and honest with my girls about my own struggles with depression and, and you know, all the stuff that I deal with. And just in those conversations, they, I think they see my heart yeah. and they see that I'm doing the very best I can to be the very best dad that I can be. But it's it's really opened the door for them, them to come to me and us have these conversations, these amazing, powerful conversations, whether it's about sex or drinking or drugs or anything that teenage girls struggle with. You know, it's opened up those conversations just because I've planted those seeds that, look, I don't have all the answers. And I've told them that. I don't have all the answers. If you come to me with a question and I can't answer it, I'll I'll help get the answer. We'll get the answer somewhere, somehow, from another man or whomever. But you know what? I'm an imperfect and flawed guy. And and it, what that allows them to see is, you know, I'm not perfect because they're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to find out yep. eventually. And it helps them understand they don't have to be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Here's another thing that you said that really ties into what you just shared, John. Here's your quote. You as a father may feel like a loser for not earning enough money or being smart enough or athletic enough, but that's not what your daughters are thinking. To them, you're enormous in their lives. So again, I'm just, I'm wanting you to kind of go a little bit deeper. How did you work this through to be okay with not being enough in your own mind, in your own heart, right? In your own view of yourself, because your dad hadn't affirmed and confirmed your manhood. How do you, as a dad, really come to your girls and go, don't have it together. I'm flawed. You know, for me, it's really been freeing. It really has for me to admit to my girls and my wife. Yeah, there you go. At times, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's freeing in the sense that I then don't have to pretend. I don't have to walk around acting like I'm somebody that I'm not. Yeah. And so for me, you know, and Dr. Meeker has this quote in the film and, and does this great piece about, um, about yeah, not feeling like a loser, that, that your daughters or your sons, Man, they just want you. They just want your time. They just want your presence. Mm-hmm. It's not like you got to do something to impress them. They're impressed just by being around you. They just want to live life with you. And so in, in boiling it down and really kind of knocking off all the top layers of what society says we need to be as a father, you know, we need to try to be the father that God says we should be. It might be just show up. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the guys we interviewed in the film, I'll never forget it when I asked him, what do you wish your dad would have done differently? That's exactly Great question. Just show up. I wish my dad would have just shown up. And, and so that gives you this idea. It makes dads understand. You know, we, I think, as dads, we're very competitive and driven and, and all these different things. But in reality, we have in our own mind this fantasy of what we think we need to be as dads, when it all comes back down to just show up. Yeah, yeah. 
just show up. Flaws and all. Don't fake it. Don't be a poser. Just show up. I love that. I mean, that might be the go step that some dad just needs to hear today that kicks things up a notch because it's not, as I always say, about being perfect. It's about being present. And I love that you're being honest with your girls, which allows them to be honest back with you. Well, if you're just joining me, I'm talking with my friend, John Finch, and the title of our interview today is Reprioritizing Fathering, Finding Hope and Healing from a Dad's Absence or Wounding. And this is part two of a two-part series. So as we talk, John, about this idea of reprioritizing fathering, which is what you've lived out, which is so powerful because you're not just telling dads what to do. You're just saying, here's what I did. So can you say more about how you, in this process of facing your story, your pain, your dad's story, his pain, how you reprioritized fathering to your daughters back in the day that you're still living out now? What is it, 15 years later, 20 years later? <laughs> oh, it's it's been a it's been a while. That's for sure. Over the last, I guess, nine to ten years. Okay. You know what, what God's teaching me. We interviewed over eighty people, and I've talked to literally hundreds since then of men and and you know the struggles that all of us are going through. And and what's really helped me is these stories from within the movie. You know, I, there was every interview I did, and there was over eighty. God was teaching me something in every interview. I mean, mm-hmm. I was learning a nugget, something I could take back and implement in my own home. And, and one of the most powerful things about that was, especially with three girls, was this understanding that the way I was loving and treating my wife was the way they were going to expect to be treated. And so for me, a daily thing is for me to get up in the mornings and go into the kitchen where the, where the girls are getting ready for school and my wife's in there and intentionally love and hug on my wife in front of my kids. I love that. Well, it it gives them a stability Uh because when they walk out to go to school that day, the the last thing they're thinking about is, well, is mom and dad okay? Mm -hmm. You know, they're not worried about that. They know mom and dad are planted firmly, love one another, care for one another. And again, it goes back to that. They're watching how I treat their mom and and they're going to expect to be treated the same way. Mm -hmm. There's another, you know, one of the other powerful things I've learned is prayer, the power of prayer. And we interviewed Neil Jeffrey, who talked about this dad who was this prayer warrior and just an amazing man. And he looked at me at one point and he said, John, there's nothing like a child hear his father pray for him or her out loud in that manly, fatherly voice. And you know what? I can back that up. As a daughter, when my dad prays for me, it's like it goes in so deep. It does. And you know what it's done for me? I went home that night after the interview, and I said, okay, honey, prayer time is changing. You know, I was the guy that was walking out, patting himself on the back every night, (laughs) saying, man, you're an awesome prayer, Billy Graham, and, you know, whatever. But then... I started asking my girls when I laid down with them, hey, Brooke, what can I pray for you about? Hey, Ellie, what can I pray for you about? And what this does, and it's so important, is it lets them see that I'm concerned about the things they're struggling with. But it also leads to additional conversation after the fact that they say, hey, Dad, can you pray about my test tomorrow or a friendship I'm struggling with or whatever? It allows me then to go, hey, what can I do to help you with your test? Hmm. Or what can I do to help you struggle, you know, getting through this friendship thing? And even more powerful, Dr. Michelle, Mm -hmm. is for them to hear me 
in the same room as them and my wife standing there pray a thankfulness prayer about their mom and my wife for me to say, God, thank you for my wife and their mom and what a servant's heart she has and the blessing that she is to our family. There is not much more powerful than that. Right, right. Well, I would imagine some dads listening might say, well, John Finch, I'm not skilled in prayer like you are. Or many men that I've heard say to me, my wife is more verbal, more spiritually attuned. So then they don't want to pray in front of their wives or their daughters because they don't feel as skilled. What would you say to that, dad? You know, I get it. I I think there's a lot of men like that. I would say it's very simplistic in the sense that It only has to be one or two sentences. It could be something as simple as, God, thank you for these amazing young ladies I get to call daughters. Mm. Amen. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be elaborate at all. Something very, very simple. And and just a couple of sentences. Uh, and, And the girls get it. And even the girls will see, man, dad is trying you know, they're seeing yep. the effort, right? You're right and, on and that, that one. That improves as time goes on. It really does. The comfort level gets better and better. Yeah, exactly. So you're just saying start where you are. That just show up theme is show up. If you only have one sentence, say one sentence. If you want to say back to her the exact thing she just said to you, God, would you help her in her test today? That's all it has to be, right? It doesn't have to sound like your pastor or John Finch. Just be you. Be where you're at. Be you because you make a difference in your daughter's life. Well, John, as we're talking about reprioritizing fathering, I think what we're saying is that when all of life gets busy and there's work demands and relational demands and your own need for self-care, is it sometimes easy to forget that if you don't make fathering a priority, it's not going to be one. And you've talked about One of the things that you really learned in talking to 80 people for your movie is that a daughter needs the father's affection. Say more about what you learned. You know, it's the the positive affection, the fatherly love, that if if ladies or young girls aren't getting that, Mm -hmm. they're going to go find it somewhere. Um, You know, Dr. Bicker shares this powerful story about how she had young ladies coming in her office at younger and younger ages having sex, it was like 16, 15, 14, 13. And she said, John, on more than one occasion, I have a young girl come in my office. And everything checked out fine. But before she would leave, she'd say, hey, doctor, can you give me a prescription? And Dr. Meeker would say, a prescription? What for? You're totally fine. And she said, John, the, the young lady would say, I don't care what it's for. Just give me a prescription. And at the bottom of it, put cannot have sex. She said, John, what was happening was these young ladies were having sex. It wasn't emotionally or physically pleasurable, but it was the only affection and attention they were getting. They weren't getting any affection and attention from their father. And so this was their permission slip to take to Johnny to say, hey, Johnny, I can't have sex anymore. Hmm. Wow. Because are you saying that if a dad would step in, I mean, what would that be like for him to say to her, let's talk about sex? what would it look like to wait, right? Because the research shows that girls delay having sexual activity if there's a feeling of connection to dad. Absolutely. And, and Dr. Meeker even says it in the, in the movie. She says, you know, if a dad says, here's my expectation for sex, mm-hmm. it's to be saved until you're married. 
and I'm going to help you do that. I'm here to help support you and, and walk you through that in the best way that I can. She says that increases that, that girl's chances exponentially that she won't have premarital sex. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, another thing you say, there's three A's. So the first one is a daughter needs her father's affection. You also say a daughter needs her father's attention. Say more about that. Yeah, and, and that goes right in line with with kind of the affection. You know, girls, especially in nowadays with the social media, they're dying for attention. You know, there's girls that are measuring their worth by the number of likes they get on Instagram. And it's like, wow, what have we come to where they're so desperate for that? But girls need our attention. They need to know that they're beautiful both inside and out. Come on. I'm standing with you. Yep, we do. (laughs) They need those words of affirmation. You know, they need to know that they're doing a great job, that they're cherished, that they're valued, that you believe in them. They need those words. And not only the words, they need the actions. They need to know that you're going to show up at their volleyball game, at their soccer game, whatever, that you're going to be there because you believe they're important and and that you see them. You know, so many young ladies and even older ladies that talk about their dad stuff is like, I just wanted him to see me. Mm-hmm. But he was so wrapped up in work or the chaos of life or whatever else, he didn't do it. So dating your daughter is so important, having regular dates, and then there's so many great things that come out of that. I know in my girls' lives, when I had them one-on-one on date nights, mm-hmm. they would share things with me that they would never share with us as a family. And that was the really cool, really intimate moments that, that helped my relationship grow stronger with each of my girls. Mm-hmm. And I just want to underscore one other thing. is that sometimes dads, when they're Say when their daughters hit teen years, there's no time for dad. They only want their peers. But you and I have both seen that when a dad doesn't stop initiating, he keeps pursuing her heart, there will be an open door at some point. So dads have got to step it up and say, I'm not going to take it personal if she doesn't have time for me today or tomorrow or this week. Don't give up saying, it's my job as a father to give her consistent, intentional focus and attention, right? Absolutely. And just like they want to be pursued, right? Yep. yep. And so as men, as fathers, we have to always be pursuing our girls in the sense that spending time with them, making sure they know that we're here. If anything comes up, anything they want to talk about, they can call, always always call dad. I, With my two oldest, they're in college now, off of college. Mm-hmm. And they communicate. I, I communicate with them every single day, even if it's just via text. I say, hey, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. I hope you had a good day. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. Yeah. Just to let them know yeah. every day that I'm thinking about them and that I'm praying for them. Which you're demonstrating, John, that third piece of important information that you said about a daughter needs a father's affirmation. So it's attention, affection, affirmation. Well, my goodness, our time is flying by as we're wrapping up part two of a two-part series on really looking at your role as a dad and reprioritizing fathering. So how about if for the go step, as we, we get ready to land the plane, would you tell that dad listening today who's ready to make fathering more of a priority and he's ready to kick things up a notch intentionally to lead his daughter to hope and healing, especially if she needs to look at issues or wounds she has with him, where would you tell him to start? 
share your story. You know, I believe one of the most powerful lessons I've learned is just being real and transparent and authentic with my daughters about my own issues, about my own junk. You know, I've shared with them about, again, about my depression, alcoholism, and, and this, this pretending to be somebody I wasn't for so many years. And, and what that does is, is it just helps them see why you are the way you are. And it helps them connect the dots on maybe even why you fathered them in such a way. But, but more importantly, it helps them see that you're not perfect and you're just human. And, and again, it opens the door, I think, for them to then come to you when they have struggles and issues, knowing that you're going to be that, that forgiving mm-hmm. person that, that you, because you understand, right? Uh, you've, you've been humbled in a way and you, you understand some of what they're going through. And yeah. that, you know what? You love them no matter what, and there's nothing they can do to make you love them any more or any less. Oh, that's so good. For On Your Mark, today the conversation has been titled Reprioritizing Fathering, Finding Hope and Healing from a Dad's Absence or Wounding. You've been listening to my friend John Finch as he's shared some of his story. If you want to hear more of it, you can go to thefathereffect.com. For your go step, I trust that this week you will take his encouragement and his challenges to heart. As always, you can go to my website at drmichellewatson.com where you will find free resources and you can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blogs. There's also a link to Amazon where you can find my book, Dad. Here's what I really need from you, a guide for connecting with your daughter's heart. So this wraps up another week's program. It's been great to be here with you all. I'm Dr. Michelle Watson, the Dad Whisperer, signing off and encouraging you to make today a day where you intentionally and consistently invest in pursuing your daughter's heart. Go Dads!